Hey guys, this is Turner. You've been hearing us talk about Kahi Roasting Company for a while. They're an amazing, small, Christian-owned family coffee roasting business, and they have approached All Out War, and they have given us an amazing opportunity that we never expected in a million years. And this is what they've offered to us. If you love coffee and you love this podcast and you want to help support the work of this podcast, we don't have a Patreon. We don't make money off of ads or anything like that. But what we do have is this unique partnership with Kahi Roasting Company. And what you want to do is go to kahiroastingco.com, click on the support all out war, order your coffee. They'll ship it right to your house in a few days. And 10% of that sale will go back to all out war. Now, look, we're not planning on making a bunch of money off this, but what it does help us do is support the work of what we're doing. It helps pay for our hosting fees and new equipment and things like that. So if you like All Out War and you love coffee, go check out KahiRoastingCompany.com and order yourself some coffee today. And as I always say, sit back, grab a coffee, and enjoy. Well, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I'm in the studio, ladies, first this time with Rachel. Rachel, how you doing? How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing good. And Rosie. Rosie. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing, hey. man? I'm doing well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, your beard's looking good. Thanks. Rachel, you look beautiful as always. Her beard's looking My good beard as well. Is- yeah. My beard is not nearly as good. You know. It's coming in there. You just got to give it time. Give it time. <laughs> time takes time. That's right. <laughs> Man. So we are on episode 92. We have an exciting episode today. We have a special guest with us that's going to be joining us in just a minute. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's going to be a nice departure from a lot of the stuff we've been talking about over the past couple you know, episodes. Um, so, uh, but uh, anyways, Rosie, what? What do you know, brother? Hey, did you know that in the 60s, the CIA fired three or four, uh, probably about five employees over a food fight that happened in their cafeteria? <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> the CIA cafeteria. Yeah, there was a food fight. That's awesome. And a bunch of employees got fired over it. That's amazing. Yeah. I almost got held back from sixth grade because, or from fifth grade be- into fifth grade because I... Uh, Started a food fight on the last day of school in fifth grade. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. My buddies and I planned it all out, and I was the only one that threw anything. I th- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I threw it. They were like, okay, we're going to do it right at this certain time. And um, they did the sign. It was like a cough or something like that. And, and I just picked up my tray and just lobbed it <laughs> and yelled food fight, and nobody else did anything. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was, but I ratted them out hard, man. You should have. Yeah. Oh, I totally did. I was in fifth grade. I was terrified, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the the principal came in and threatened to spank me and hold me back, not send me into middle school, and ca- called my mom. When was this? The sixties or something? Oh, yeah, same time. <laughs> <laughs> no, come on, I'm not that old. Gee whiz, man. It was ni- <laughs> It was 1970. That would have been 1970. Let's see, I graduated in 88, so what, what would that put me at? 84 would be ninth grade, then 86, so 85 probably, 1985, sure. somewhere in there. Yeah, so I was a child of the 80s, man. That was fun, 70s, 80s. Nice. My parents wore bell bottoms and all that good stuff. Hmm. All right, anyways, so hey, let's just get into this. Yeah, we have a yeah, great guest for the episode, and so sit back, grab a Kahi coffee, and enjoy.
You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. That's right. This is it. All Out War. Man, I, I never get sick of that intro. I love it, man. It's just It's fun. a good song. It is. It's a good song. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got a great episode, so let's jump into this. We have a special guest with us today. His name is Frank Rice. He has a Frank Rich. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've already ruined it. And uh, But he has, you can find him on YouTube. And it's Rebuilding Your Life or Rebuild Your Life at YouTube. He also has a free resource there. And this is the interesting thing about Frank and his YouTube. If you go to his YouTube channel and you scroll to his videos, you're going to notice that uh, his older videos up until about six months ago all relate to bodybuilding, lifting, you know, fitness. And then all of a sudden there's these videos that deal with a specific topic. And then he just has a series of those. And he's been focusing on those for at least what I could see from his YouTube channel about seven, maybe six, seven months. But uh, his whole his whole turn was to this topic of freeing from the addiction of porn. And so he's, I, you know, we're going to talk about how that all came about, but he applies strategies to get set free. And he even has a free resource, which we're going to connect to our show notes that you can have. And it's uh, seven steps to a life without porn. And so I just want to welcome to the podcast, Frank, Frank, how you doing, my man? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me, guys. It's awesome. We're so glad that you could you could join us. We tried a couple weeks ago. Things got mixed up, and uh, it was all good because I needed a break, anyways, man. So <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, and I, I and I think uh, you know these last couple of weeks, like where I've been able to go as far as researching and the feedback we're getting, and it, you know, it gave me another two weeks of you know work here because, like you said, this is a newer. Uh, project, I guess, maybe for me. Um, and I think we'll probably get into to some of that. So yeah, no, I'm extremely grateful to be here with you guys and, and really looking forward to speaking uh, with you. And I know we're going to bless a lot of people, hopefully. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, how did you end up where you are today based on your YouTube channel when I was looking at it, the background, and a little bit of kind of like your journey? Yeah. So um, yeah. So I, I started that YouTube channel. God, I think the first video was just me being just a meathead back in the, you know, in the gym. Like, you know, we had a phone, like this is going back, you know, probably eight, nine years. I think I started in 2010, 2011, just for a way for me to put my workout videos somewhere. You know, uh, nowadays it seems like every gym you walk into, 90% of the people have their phone propped up on a tripod and everybody's in there to film their workout. They're more worried about getting the right angle or the right shot as opposed to actually what they're doing in, in the gym and, and, and training wise. But no, the, the launch of it was really, I was, I was up and coming in, in bodybuilding at the time. Um, and I thought I was, I thought I was, I had some impressive lifts and I said, Hey, maybe somebody wants to, to see these. There was no intent focus behind, you know, what I was doing with the videos other than really trying to display, I guess my strength. Uh, and then in 2017, which was when I, uh, I launched, my online fitness business. So at, at that point I had already been training, uh, you know, personally for probably 12, 13 years. Um, and, and, and I'd been competing as a bodybuilder for, for almost eight years, dabbling in a little bit of personal training. I worked in gyms. I helped manage some health clubs down here. Um, but my, my career in my twenties was kind of more corporate America sales type of positions. 
Um, so fast forwarding up to 2017, I was, uh, I was launching an online fitness business. I was ready to like go all in as, well, this would have been my second entrepreneur uh, venture, but ready to go all in on this fitness thing. I was like, you know what? I've done this for a decade. I've worked with some of the greatest strength coaches in the world. I've worked with some of the top bodybuilders. Like I really had, think I have something to offer. Um, so in, in, in doing that, I hired, I hired a mentor, um, to, to help me launch a business. He helped me kind of figure out our, 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 our marketing approach. You know, who are we going to target? How are we going to be able to deliver value to the world? And in doing that, um, you know, we transitioned and we started doing those, I guess you call them, you know, full workout videos, talking head in the gym where we're teaching execution. We're teaching, you know, how to program exercises. I mean, I have over 115, 120 videos specifically dedicated to building what I coined at the time was a, was a aesthetic physique. So hmm. taking the bodybuilding world, which is big, strong, muscular, but then adding an aesthetic kind of artistic appeal. And, and that was my brand at the time. And the interesting part about the journey uh, really, cause it, 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 runs hand in hand. I mentioned I hired, I hired a mentor. So I had struggled with, with pornography. I mean, my entire life, you know, to, to set some context for, for some people, cause I don't know the age of, of your audience. Uh, I'm, I'm 37. So my first introduction to, to porn was probably around five or, or six years old. And it wow. wasn't internet. It wasn't internet porn, obviously, because we didn't have internet back at a time, you know, and I've had this conversation with, with multiple men on, on the podcast that kind of all are in the same age and, and generation that I am. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a magazine. And, you know, that first glimpse of, of a magazine, like at a, at a young person's mind, like they're not equipped, they're not prepared. Mm. Um, but it, it left an imprint on my mind that never, never left. Um, so much like uh, I think you know Rachel was saying when, when we were talking before the before the show. Like fast forward now to to my high school days. Like we get our computer, we get AOL dial up. Uh, you know, probably within 24 hours of having the internet, I find porn online, and it's 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 all go from yeah. from there. You know, it's like now I have literally I can access this 24 hours uh, 24 hours a day. Um, you know, back back then, obviously, like didn't really think it was a problem. You know, this is a part of a, a boy being a boy growing up. Like, yeah, every kid's going to, going to watch porn. I didn't really understand. And it took me almost 15 years to, to really understand what, uh, what was happening to, to my brain and, and to my body be, because of this. So take us all through my twenties. You know, I talked about working in corporate America and having sales. I mean, um, I was in, in many people's eyes, I was, I was successful. Uh, you know, by the age of 22, I had made, more money in one year than any person had ever made in my family. Like we didn't come from, from, from wealth, uh, or really from any, any type of money. So hitting a six figure salary at a, at a young age for me, it's like, dude, like you got it all figured out. So as that carried into my twenties and into my thirties, like I didn't really see what I was doing with porn as a, as a problem because it wasn't impacting any other part of my life. Mm. Um, now if we, if we, if we fast forward back to, uh, to 2017 with the launch of the, the YouTube channel. So I mentioned I hired a business coach. Um, and in doing this, it, it took me to, to an event. So July of 2017, I, I, I went from Tampa, I went up to Toronto to network and um, to mastermind with a group of, of fitness professionals. You know, some guys that were 10 years in the business and were miles down the road of, of where I were, some guys that were in the exact same position and were just getting started. Um, and this was very 
pivotal part of, of my story uh, because in that group, the guy running the show uh, was a Christian. And this was my first time really spending days with people that were discussing their faith openly. So I wasn't born into a Christian or I wasn't born into a religious home. Um, I think we probably went to church maybe a handful of times in my childhood. It was like that Easter Sunday, like we're going to go because, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. So we'd show up, (laughs) we'd show up late, we'd sit in the back. And then the minute it was, you know, over, we're running out the door. So there was never any discussion, you know, uh, about it. And then even like sending us to, to VBS or, you know, vacation Bible study, it's like, my thought was like, my parents are just trying to get me out of the house, you know, because they never, they never said, Oh, what did you do there? And let's, let's bring it back. So I had no idea who Jesus was. I, I had no idea really, really any of this. And I did a very good job in, in my, in my twenties and early thirties of just completely avoiding the conversation 100%. Like if it came up in a group of people, I was a guy that completely shut down or would, you know, would leave. Um, I just didn't want to, didn't want to deal with it. Um, and I don't, I don't really know why that, why that was, but once I got in this, this group with these guys, A, they were all further ahead in, in business of, of where I was. Like they were exactly where I wanted to be in a couple years time. Another really unique thing about all of them is their family dynamics. So you know, I mentioned that we, we, we didn't have really, you know, any, any religious, you know, upbringing in our, in our home. Um, there wasn't, and I don't hold this like against my, my parents. Like I'm not, you know, like bitter to them. I've, 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 I've worked through all this, but my parents were, and they voiced this to us. They, they would tell us like, we're, we're only together because of the kids. So I have, I have two brothers or I have a brother and a sister. So I'm the middle child of, of three. And from a very young age, I can remember my parents constantly fighting, screaming, arguing, my dad throwing stuff out in the front yard, just, um, and then implanted like in my brain, like I can remember, like, you know, I'm only with your mom because, because of you kids, the minute you turn 18, like I'm leaving. So it's just like a, just a very toxic environment to, to be raised in. So when I got introduced and I got around some of these, you know, successful entrepreneurs, you know, that were, that were Christian men first. And I saw the way that their businesses were functioning. But then when I saw the way that they operated in their families, it's like instantly I knew something was, was different. And it's so crazy that I, this is such a pivotal part of my, of my story because I'm, I'm a, a part of a, a men's group that meets every Saturday morning with a few of those guys. And then we have a much larger piece now. And, and just yesterday, we meet every, every Saturday morning at, at 7 a.m. There's about 15 of us that hop on a Zoom call. Um, just yesterday we were talking about just how do you show the world your love? Like, what does that look like? And it's not something that you push on anybody. It's not something that really like, there's not a certain, you know, set of words. There's not a certain way to deliver a message. You show your love and you show your love as a Christian just by how you show up differently in all environments. And I instantly saw that in these guys, like they, they welcomed me into, to their life. They welcomed me into their family. Uh, and it just, it just changed. It changed my whole perspective on what it meant to be a man, what it meant to be a father, uh, what it meant to be a leader of, of a house and and of a community. Um, so, so this is, you know, like I said, this is, this is a summer of, uh, 2017. Now I, I wish it, you know, the story was like, I walked in, I met these guys and, you know, I was, 
struck by the Holy Spirit and, and my life changed that day. But uh, it took another really almost 18 months um, for things to really kind of kind of click. Hmm. Um, and, and there was a lot of, you know, reasons why business never really took off in, in the way that I felt it should have. You know, we've had tremendous success with, with Frank Rich Fitness. I mean, we've touched thousands of people's lives from around the world. Those videos that you mentioned um, have, you know, received millions of millions of views. Um, but it, it, it didn't scale at the rate that I, that I thought. So I can remember, you know, as we're getting to like the end of 2018, like I was in a relationship that was for lack of, of, of no better word. It was just, it was just broken. Like we, we were in love, we thought, but I don't know, just something, something wasn't working. So relationship was broken. My body was, uh, I wasn't really competing. I was training somewhat, but I just, I wasn't all in on it. I had no, you know, no relationship with Christ. The business is, is, is not doing anything. And, and I can remember one night, like I'm, I'm standing in the kitchen with, with my girlfriend at the time. And I'm just like, I'm like, Stephanie, I don't know. Like, I don't know what to do. Like, I just can't get anything figured out. I think we need to go to church or something. Um, and it's not like we had had a conversation. I hadn't really had a conversation with anybody about it. It just, it just, just plopped out of my mouth. And it's like, I think we need to go to church. And she's like, she's like, yeah, well that, that can maybe work. I don't know. Um, Stephanie had been raised in a, in a Catholic home and Catholic school. So it kind of like had turned her away when she got into her teens from the church, but she was open to it. Unfortunately, after that conversation that night, it never came back up between the two of us. Mm. Um, it wasn't until probably another month went by, um, that one of the men that I had met at that Toronto mastermind, he had, he, he lives in Philadelphia. Well, we had stayed in touch pretty much from, from that day in Toronto. We talk weekly. He and I talk daily now, but at, at that point he was probably the most consistent person that I would have a conversation with. So he knew all the highs, he knew all the lows, he knew everything that was going on. And he reaches out and he's like, Hey Frank, I'm coming down to, to Orlando, which is just, you know, about an hour commute from here in Tampa. He's like, I'm coming down, you know, I got some business meetings and this and that, but I got a big chunk of time on this day. Why don't you drive over and we'll hang out. And I was like, awesome. Like I'm all in, you know, we'll, we're going to talk about at the time, you know, turn, I was like, I was into sports. I was like, we'll talk about sports. We'll talk about marketing business. Like I need some help with some things. Josh, who, who, his name is Josh. Like he, he was coming down with a different, a different intention. Um, <laughs> so he, he knew. Um, so we, we meet up, I pick him up at his hotel and, and one of the main streets that runs through downtown Orlando is, is called church street. Hmm. So we, we just by chance, we find a steakhouse that's located right there on, on church street. Um, sit down in a small little booth. It's like, you know, it's a one o'clock lunch. So there's like nobody in the restaurant. So we pretty much had the entire place to ourselves. And it was in that booth there, uh, that Josh shared with me the, the gospel for the first time. And <laughs> at that point I was, I was so open to it. I mean, the minute he started, he, he, he started talking, I had to stop him. I said, Josh, like, how did you know that I was talking about church a month ago? And he's like, I had no clue, but he had flown down here. Yeah. He, he had actually, purchased before leaving Philadelphia and brought with him a copy of the passion translation, which I don't know if you guys have that, uh, that translation of the, of the new Testament. Uh, but it's, it's kind of like a written in kind of a modern, uh, translation, I guess. Um, so he had, he had literally purchased this and, and was bringing it down cause he knew he was going to give it to me. Um, 
so after probably a three, three and a half hour lunch there, uh, in that, in that steakhouse, he, he asked me if I was ready to, to give my life to Christ and everything lined up perfectly. I, I had been, you know, I'd been asking the question, you know, a month before that. So, so we, we, we stepped outside and, um, you know, walked across the street to, to a park that was sitting in front of the history center. Uh, and Josh put his hands on me and, and, and we prayed together for the first time and, <laughs> and, and I accepted Christ in, in, into my life. Um, once again, you know, it, like the story would be so powerful if it's like right in that moment, like, you know, I was convicted and like this life that I had of addiction was just like cleansed away. Uh, but it wasn't, I, uh, one thing I didn't really share because I, cause I never was like a, like a, an alcoholic. I mean, I was a competitive bodybuilder. So my identity was really built up in the way that I looked hmm. 100% without a doubt fueled out of insecurity as a kid. Obviously I, you know, I shared just kind of a, you know, broken home. Uh, so when I found bodybuilding and what it did for me and, and the ability to, to get attention and command respect and, and everything, like my entire identity as a human being, when I, when I say this, like I truly mean it, everything about who I thought I was and the value I had to the world was built in, in how I look. Um, but I had also had a probably somewhat of a, of a drinking problem. So I was able to function and, and manage it, but like when I opened the guzzle, like it didn't stop. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm the guy that like, if you're, we're going to drink, like I'm going to drink till I'm either completely passed out, blacked out. And I don't remember that was like, that was my, my MO. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so like I said, when, when Josh and I, which it was October 22nd of, of 2018 prayed, you know, we prayed together and I accepted Christ. Like I wish I could say like the next day, like, uh, you know, I wasn't drinking again, but I literally like drank on the drive home to, to Orlando. Like I just, I thought, okay, I, I have Jesus now, so I'm going to heaven. I guess I can just keep doing everything that I'm doing. Like I didn't, like it didn't yeah. really register with me. Um, you know, I have to, you know, I have to thank Josh because he was so persistent in his follow up. like, you know, reaching out to me daily, you know, mm-hmm. are you in the word? Are you in your devotional? Uh, you know, have you found a church? Like he was on me for months. Like you got to get plugged in. You got to get plugged in. Like you can't do this on your own. Um, so it was a, you know, it was a couple more months of, you know, me really struggling, you know, through, through this, uh, fortunately I was able to to find an amazing church, which, you know, which I'm a part of here and, and we're doing some, some pretty incredible things kind of with my work and, and hopefully integrating it into, to, to what they're doing there. Nice. Um, so one thing I'm very proud of is, uh, because the porn didn't, porn didn't stop first. It was actually, I, I cut alcohol new years of 2019. So I knew I needed to start really like getting rid of some of these destructive habits. And, and the alcohol one was at that point was really probably the one that I thought I had the biggest problem with. So I was probably drinking at that point, maybe a bottle of whiskey, like every four days. Wow. Like, yeah. Quite a um, so cleaning that made me like getting rid of that made me feel like, like really confident. How was, let me, uh, you mind if I interrupt you for a second? Please. Yeah. What, what was, so I'm, and I'm interested to hear about your, how you broke, how the porn, uh, cause we're going to work that in, but with the alcohol, was that a really challenging break for you? Was it something that you just knew you needed to stop and you just kind of had the willpower to do it? 
or was it something that you really struggled and fought through? It for me was, was a matter of making, making the decision to stop. Um, you know, I think one thing that, that bodybuilding has definitely given me, uh, was discipline, discipline, unlike any other, you know, so I had to obviously, uh, you know, over a 10 year bodybuilding, you know, career, I guess you could say like there was, there was months at a time where I had to go without drinking. So there was never a problem. Like when I wanted to shut it off, it was me just making the, the decision mentally. And this is so powerful, like about actually declaring, and make like making a choice and declaring it like, cause once you do that, like you, you, like you can gain power over things. So once I made the declaration, I was going to stop, like I didn't really have uh, a, a lot of struggles with it. It was just me getting to the point where it's like, I had to realize like it no longer served me in any way, shape or form. So it's not even something that I need to dabble in on a somewhat regular, regular basis. Yeah. Like there was no place in, in my life at all for me. Um, so, and that, and that, you know, is a part of, of, of the porn thing too. Go ahead. So, uh, it, I don't know if you want to answer this or not, but were you still with this uh, woman that you were with, uh, before that you had mentioned you wanted to go to church and all that? Were you guys still together at that time? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, we were. how did she take this new faith that you had? Was that something that she embraced or did she, did she jump on that with her, with her own personal life or? How'd that go? So at first it was, it was me. Uh, I, I, I would go to, to church on Sunday. It was kind of something that, that I was doing. She wasn't pushing back, but I think she was wanting to see like, how serious is he, is he really in this? You yeah, know, yeah. probably with, with some of her experience in it, like she wanted to make sure that it was truly, truly, uh, you know, a, a commitment for me. Um, so no, not right at the gate. She wasn't, she wasn't in there, but she wasn't like resistant to it. Um, but she was, you know, supportive in a, in a way, I guess you could say, um, during that month of January, 2019, um, my, my mentor that I, that I'd worked with going back to 2017, he's got a podcast as well. Um, he had a, he had a guest on his show, uh, the author, Michael John Cusick, who, who wrote the book surfing for God. So Michael John Cusick in, in the book, he shares, you know, his struggles with pornography, um, how it led him to purchasing prostitutes and escorts. And, and it, 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 it's a compelling story. Um, but hearing that podcast, because still at this time, like I knew drinking was bad, so I was going to get rid of that. But <laughs> like in my mind at that point, like I still didn't really view porn yeah, yeah. as a, as a problem. Like it had never been addressed. Like it wasn't something that Josh and I talked about. He wasn't like, all right. Like it, it just, I knew probably that my use of it was irregular. Like the fact that I was doing it daily, sometimes multiple times a day, like it was literally built into my daily routine. Like I had certain times and, um, and I knew the fact that I was hiding it from certain people. Like it definitely was a problem, but I didn't really view it as a destructive addiction that I, that I know it truly, truly is. But once I heard Vincent and, and Michael talk on the, on the podcast, um, things that Michael said resonated very deeply with me about how it starts off in, you know, innocent, you know, pictures and, and maybe, you know, one-on-one, you know, heterosexual sex and, and how that just escalates because over time, like your, uh, your dopamine receptors, like they, they need more and more just like 
you know, uh, a drug addict, like his first shot is not, you know, shooting heroin. Like he probably started with something much smaller or, or an alcoholic, you know, you're not drinking a, a bottle of Jack like the first night. It's like, no, you have to keep escalating it further and further. So hearing him talk about that in porn, at that point it clicked. I was able to actually see that play out like in my entire adult life. Oh my God. Like how, mm-hmm. how was I able to like, do that. And then in that relationship, is this why I treated her this way? And, and, and is this why I'm like only like these type of girls, like it all just right mm-hmm. instantly, like clicked in that podcast. Wow. wow. So I started at, at that point. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you guys can see it. Maybe I have tons of books. I am yeah. a couple, a couple hundred books. Like I am a consumer of knowledge and, and information. So when I want to learn about something, like I jump all in. So after hearing that podcast, it's like, I start watching the YouTube videos. I start reading the articles. So I'm like, okay, like, is this a really a problem with people, with men? I, it, I know I have a problem, but like, what are other guys doing out there? And then like, what are the resources to, to help you cure it? So I started really diving in and consuming a lot of information. And that probably took place for, you know, a couple weeks of my own kind of, kind of research, not really taking any action yet, you know, still watching porn multiple, multiple times a day. Um, in and out of, you know, having sex with my, my girlfriend that, you know, I was, I was living with at the time, um, which takes us to February, uh, actually Valentine's day, February 14th of 2019 I mentioned that group of guys, um, that I met, well, a, a big group of them live here locally in the Tampa Bay area. So we would meet, um, and we've been doing this since 2017. We meet every Thursday for a group workout. Uh, so after that group workout on, on that Thursday, which was, like I said, it was Valentine's day. I was hanging out with one of the other guys. Um, most of, most of them went to lunch that day. For some reason, two of us decided to, to stay back that day. Um, so we stay back and, and it's me and Zach and, uh, we're just hanging out and we're, we're kind of catching up in the car and, and Zach, who is, uh, excuse me, he's, he's the second episode of, of the podcast. So people should definitely check out and, and, and hear his story and, and, and his journey, but He's a former Marine, you know, he, 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 he fought for our country. And in, in that conversation there in, in the car, he's, he's sharing with me, he's like, yeah, Frank, like I've been, I've been exploring with these breathing exercises and he's studying some Wim Hof stuff. And he's like, it's really helping me like harness, you know, my sexual energy. And he's like, but more than anything, it's helping me stay off of porn. And I was like, I was like, what do you mean, Zach? He's like, he's like, dude, I've, I've been addicted to porn for the last five or six years. And hearing another man like say that to me, like I'd heard the podcast, I'd read the articles, but another guy that I knew, like him actually like verbalized, like, dude, I've had a problem like with this for a really long time. That was a moment where like the Holy Spirit like came upon me and it was like, oh my God, like here's, here's the opportunity right then and there. And I was like, I was like, Zach, I gotta, I gotta tell you something right now. It's like, I've been struggling with this for 20 years. And in that car, uh, you know, we sat there and we talked about it and, and I explained how, you know, it impacted my relationships and, um, you know, how it impacted me physically and, and, and some of the things I, 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 I hope we can get to here today. But I made a vow to Zach that day because I'd been doing the research. I knew it was wrong. I knew it needed to stop. And like, here was the, here was the perfect opportunity to, to make it happen. So I said, Zach, this is it. I'm like, today is the day that this is no longer going to be a part of my life. But hmm. I need two things to happen in order for, for this to, to actually be successful. 
you know, I'm a coach and, and you, re- you, you reference one of my videos where like I pride myself on, on being able to help men. I've, I've always been an athlete. I've always surrounded myself with coaches as well. Um, so I believe in the power of accountability. So I said, Zach, in order for this to really be successful, I'm like, I need you to hold me accountable. I'm like, can you do that? Can you follow up with me? Can you make sure that I'm, you know, I'm staying a course and then I'm staying clean and then I'm staying pure. He's like, absolutely. And he's like, I need to go even deeper. He's like, Zach, I need to call you tomorrow and I need to let you know something. I was like, so the second thing that needs to happen is I knew I needed to tell Stephanie. So mm. Stephanie and I, like I said, we were, we were still living together. Um, and unfortunately we're at a point now where, where, where we have separated. It, it just wasn't, it wasn't, you know, in, in the plan at, at this time for, for, for us to continue to be together. And that doesn't mean that, you know, I, I don't know if there's a future. We just, at right now we have some things that we need to sort out individually. But at that point, she was the most important person in my life. And I knew that I had been keeping things from her and I knew that it was impacting both her and I, and it was impacting our relationship. So I said, in order for this to truly happen, like she needs to know the truth. And, he, and Zach is like, you sure you want to do that? And I was like, there's no question. Like hmm. it either, either two things happen. I either tell her and she packs her bags and, and runs out, which would have at some point come, you know, would have happened anyways. Um, or she understands and, and she puts her arm around me and, and, and we ride this together. But I knew she needed to know. So that whole ride home, it's about a 45 minute commute from, from where they're at. Like I'm in my own head and it's like, you don't need to do this. And you know, the enemy is like, you know, speaking in my ear. He's like, dude, just don't tell her. Like, you know, we're going to just go home. And <laughs> That's right. I, I truly, I truly contemplated on the ride home, like, like not, not doing it so much to the fact that I went to bed that night without telling her. Mm. Uh, so I woke up the next day and it was like, uh, it was so, so on my heart. And I was like, I just, I need to, I need to do this. She needs to know. Uh, so back then, um, I had had a separate, a separate laptop that, that literally like stayed in my closet and only came out for porn. And I did this because a relationship I'd been in, in my twenties, like she would search my browsing history. And I was like, well, you're not going to, you're not going to ever do that again. So I'll just have a separate computer. Um, and this is, I mean, this is, this is how, you know, when it's, when it's an addiction, like these are signs of things, like I'm doing everything within my power to keep it from people. So I go into the closet and like I pull this laptop out and I, you know, I walk into the room where Stephanie is at. She looks at me and she's like, like, what, what are you doing? And I was like, Hey, I have to tell you something. So I just share it all with her right then. And there. I was like, mm-hmm. no, you know that, you know, I, I do watch porn because I didn't keep a secret that I watched porn from her because I actually would try to like bring her in. I was like, Hey, let's watch this, you know, as a way to kind of like see how far I could push her. Hmm. I was like, I know you know that I, that I do, but I don't think you really understand like the severity of it. So just like I did with Zach, same thing with her. I just, you know, 20 years of an addiction, you know, in public places and, and how it's impacted my relationship and, and how now it's, um, you know, and she, and, and for her, it started to connect some things because I'd suffered with, with some ED. I had, you know, uh, porn induced erectile dysfunction and mm-hmm. it all kind of clicked for her right, right then and there. Um, so we both like, you know, we're both crying and, and bawling at this point. And I'm like, I'm like, Seth, I know you're, you know, you're disappointed and, and you're upset with this, but you know, I'm making a promise with you today that like, this is never going to make its way into my life. And I'm so confident that this is going to happen. Like I'm going to break this computer. And I took the laptop and like a sheet of paper, I ripped it 
down the middle. I mean, remember, I'm like, you know, at the time, I'm like six, six three, like 260 pounds. Like, I literally ripped a computer and I had two separate pieces of a computer holding, you know, in, in my hands. So we kind of like stand there and we're both, you know, crying and bawling, but we don't really know like what to do. And I was like, okay, I got to go. And like, I ran outside because I had to like a few phone calls I had to make. So the first one I had to let Zach know, I was like, so I shot him this video message on my phone. I was like, I was like, brother, I told you yesterday, like this is going to happen. I just want to, like, I'm following up. I'm holding up to my side of the bar and I'm letting you know that I did what I told you I was going to do. I show him the broken computer going in the garbage. Um, the next, the next call I made was to Josh, you know, Josh, uh, from, from Pennsylvania. So this was a different call because Josh didn't know about the problem. So I had to a first introduce that, Hey, I had a problem and then share what just took place. Um, but I can remember like that, that video that I play it back every, every once in a while. And it's just like, it's just so, so emotional. But like, I, I, I turn and like, I look at the camera, like right as it's ending. And I was like, I was like, Josh, I don't know really what this means like in life or anything, but something great is going to come out of this. And like the, like the call like ends computer goes, you know, goes into the garbage, boom, we're done. Amazing. I'm, you know, I, I, I'm free from porn, right? Uh, a <laughs> couple, days, couple days go by, a couple days go by here now where we're, we're Sunday and, uh, first time now, probably for, I don't know how many years this is my first couple days, like with any, without any type of porn or, or sexual release. So not that you have like porn withdrawals like you do from you know from hardcore drugs uh but that's a lot of built up energy in a very large and and strong man so i needed a way to to get that energy out and uh steph and i get into somewhat of a of a heated argument and and confrontation and i ended up putting my hand through through the drywall like three times just as you know just like a complete anger just being you know just being an aggressive type of guy and in, in the third hit of hitting the wall, I hit the, um, the stud that like runs up and down <laughs> ooh, ooh. And completely shattered. I mean, it took every metacarpal in my hand and it pushed them all. So when I pulled my hand out, it literally, my hand was like double the size. Oh, man. So I see my hand, I see my hand, I pull it out and I just like collapsed and, and I'm still so angry and frustrated at Stephanie. I'm just like, just get like, get out of here. Leave me alone. Literally, I tell her like literally just leave me here to like rot on the ground and die and something something in her at, at that point it, she's like she's like no she's like you're being an idiot right now but I'm gonna take care of you hmm. and like picks, like picks me up and 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 if this isn't like love then I, I, I truly don't know what is because she had every right in the world to like I said pack her stuff up and just leave you know, this man that had been lying to her, just tried to intimidate her. And it's just a, you know, at that point, like, I'm just in my eyes, I was a piece of garbage, like on the ground. She like picks me up and drives me to the ER and stays with me there for days. But this broken hand is, is, is such a, a pivotal moment because I talked about my entire identity had been built up in the way that I looked mm. been built up this Zeke that I had. So the day after sitting in the ER, you know, they put a hard cast on my hand. They're like, now you need to go, go see the orthopedic specialist. So we go see the orthopedic. They do the, you know, the x-rays, the MRI. He's like, all right. He's like, it's fractured. 
He's like, we could do surgery. I don't really recommend it. He's like, it looks like the doctor did a pretty good job of setting everything yesterday. Why don't we let it heal for the next two months? Um, and then we'll take it from there. And I was like, I was like, okay. And the doc sees me, like I roll in like tank top, you know, whatever. He's like, he's like, you know what this means though, right? And I was like, I was like, no, he's like, this means no, no working out, no training for the next, for the next two months. And I was like, I was like, I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you just can't put any, like any little amount of force or resistance can cause those bones to shift and move. And you're going to end up having to get surgery. And he's like, at, at your age, he's like, I don't want you to have surgery on that hand. And I was like, I was like, no, it's going to be okay. Once again, Stephanie's like, quit being an idiot. Listen to the doctor. It's only going to be two months. But in my mind, two months was like the end of the world. Like yeah. I'm going to lose 20 years of building this body. And I actually did. I actually ended up losing like 40 pounds in that short amount of time. Um, but it was so crucial because it, 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 it made me realize that nobody cared about the way that I looked. Like I did, but nobody else did. Hmm. Uh, wow. And having that cast, like it, it gave me this incredible opportunity because I'm going to see a bunch of people here over the next two, you know, two months. Like, so I could do one of two things, you know, when they ask what happened, I could give a, you know, short answer, uh, of what really, you know, I think would be the best thing for them to hear, or I could use an opportunity to, to share what is, you know, what God's <laughs> doing in, in my life. And, and that was the one that I, that was the one that I took. So every time somebody asked, like I looked at it as an opportunity for, for them to hear what was happening in, in Frank's life. And at first I was a little scared. What are people going to say? What are people going to think? You know, like you had this persona as a successful bodybuilder, as a, you know, as an entrepreneur, like as a person that's got it all figured out, like what happens when you say that during all of that, like you were basically running away from, from an addiction to pornography. So I was scared at first. Um, but just like it happened with, with that and, and, and with Stephanie, like none of the guilt, none of the shame. It was like, if I, if I was sitting down with a man, it's like, he's like, dude, what are you like? What are you kidding me? Like every single one of us deals with this. Like you're not any different. Like I'm talking about, you know, doctors and, and, and at that point I was, you know, I was, I was connected at the church already. So I'm sharing it with the, you know, pastors and it didn't matter what guy was sitting on the other side of either the coffee table or zoom. Cause I was doing zoom calls and I was like, Hey, I need to, I, I got a story I need to tell you, like, let's do a zoom call. Like I was looking for opportunities to share this with people. And, and every single time, it, it was just this sense of like, dude, it's okay. Like we've all been down this road. We've all been through this. Like this is going to equip you for something so much greater. So that, you know, that's March, April, like I'm just getting all this positive, like, like feedback, like, dude, like this is powerful. Like this, like your story is so powerful. Like, like keep this going. So I was like, wow. And, and now we're, you know, we're getting like now at this point, we're getting 60, 90 days where, you know, like now you start really experiencing like some of the true transformative benefits. Yeah. Um, like I was like, wow. Okay. Like now, like if I share this with people that I know, what happens if I share it with everybody? So this was really the genesis of the superhuman life podcast. You know, I had, I had wanted to have a podcast since probably 2015 when I first heard Lewis Howes in the school of greatness and building a fitness business at that, you know, I'd had probably 50 different podcast ideas and names written down, but none of them, none of them clicked. But I saw an opportunity here. I saw an opportunity to, 
to put a message, to put a story out, you know, we're going to, we're going to now integrate faith and fitness into the world. Um, so I hired a podcast producer and I said, Hey, here's my story. Like we need to figure out a way to make this, you know, to make this a powerful podcast. And, um, I had no intention of, of what that was going to be, of what it was going to look like. Episode one is somebody interviewing me where I tell like a 90 minutes, uh, version of, of this story. Um, but it was so incredibly just like, powerful because you know, I'd gotten, I'd gotten from my Instagram, I got messages from guys or from clients that I worked with. Like, Oh, you helped me build bigger biceps. Like you changed my life. And I was like, no, I didn't. Like I, I helped you you build bigger biceps or, you know, you helped me get ready for a contest. (laughs) Like, thank you so much. Like, like it it feels good as a coach, like help somebody with a physical transformation. But when I, when, when, when I hit like send on the first podcast and I put it out like into the world, like instantly the messages that were coming in completely changed. Hmm. It was like, wow, like, thank you so much for, you know, thank you for your courage. Thank you for your vulnerability. Uh, I too have struggled with this. You know, I have been down this road. I need help. Like it, like the messages completely changed. And it was like, God was like knocking. He's like, all right, here's like, here's where I'm going to, here's where you're going to go. Here's where you're going to go. Um, so at first the podcast was really just uh, a place for me to share my story and have other people come on and share their stories as well. As we got towards, you know, 10, 15 episodes in and, and I just began to, you know, really just see things so much more clear. I start now having people like, Hey, like, you know, now you have power over something and, and, <laughs> and you're going to be able to help more people too. So I was getting pushed from other people like, Hey, you need to go harder at this. You need to, you know, you need to really, you know, put your foot down on the porn and like, I think you can help some guys. And so I was having people from the outside, like push, pushing me into the coaching. Hmm. And I wasn't ready yet at, at the point to really flip the script because who was I? Like I'd only been, you know, five, six months at that point, you know, completely free. Like, yeah, it had changed my life, but I didn't really feel at that point secure enough to maybe pass on what I had. Um, but the messages kept coming, kept coming, kept coming. Like, Hey, like, can you help me with this? Can you help me with this? So in January of, of this year, and it really just kind of came by chance. I was, uh, I was on another podcast with somebody and he asked me what I was most excited about for 2020. And I said, I want to help a hundred guys break free from porn. Hmm. And the next day I had, I had a flood of uh, people. <laughs> in that's awesome. Uh, and, and that's now been, been the creation of, our, our rebuilt recovery channel, our, uh, or rebuild your life channel, the rebuilt recovery, uh, company, which is in development right now, but the reboot your life program, which is a four month, uh, a four month one-on-one coaching program, um, that is helping guys break free. Um, wow. So let me ask you a question. Cause I think that, um, I was, you know, most of our listeners know I was a pastor for 17 years and I still do ministry work. Um, but, uh, it, one of the most common, you know, issues that I dealt with, with, with young adult men was pornography addiction. And I knew it was going to come up eventually when they wanted to meet with me, you know, they'd ask, Hey, can you, uh, can you, can you meet for coffee? Can you do this or whatever? And then within the second meeting or third meeting, they'd say, Hey man, I just really, the whole reason I wanted to meet with you was this. And I felt like, um, th- you know, in the from my perspective in the church, there was this tabooness to uh, the whole topic, and it just was never really uh, addressed in a healthy way. It was always like, "Don't do it; it's not good; it's bad." 
And I think now with the addiction rate so high to this to this vice, uh, we don't have an option. And I think there are people that recognize that they have a serious issue, and it's and it's and it's affecting their life in a in a trickle down effect in their marriages, in their relationships, their their jobs, everything. Uh, and they don't know how to go about it. So it doesn't surprise me that when on that podcast you said I want to help a hundred men, uh, that you had a flood of inbox because I feel like there's like this, there's people that are just waiting for permission to admit it and there's so much power in that like when you were talking about how like you confessed it to your buddy who he told you initially and then you're like man it it, like that was to me like that whole turmoil on your ride home you're like i know i have to tell my girlfriend i know i have to tell her and that turmoil it was like you had the keys to freedom in your hand right there and the enemy as you were saying he does not want us to Mm -hmm. use those keys like he will do anything to keep us from putting those in the lock and setting ourselves free you know with the tools that are been given to us and uh so they just it just blows me away and i'm so excited for what your future holds because it's like uh talk about job security there's not gonna you know (laughs) our culture today is is so sexually driven um, you were mentioning earlier, like, and this is like the timing of this podcast right now, um, is that Netflix is in just an incredible hot water uh, with this this program Cuties that came out, this sexualizing young kids. Well, it's just say it's child porn. Pedophilia, yeah, it's it's yeah, it's pedophilia, you know, and and um, I don't, you know, I it disgusts me, but uh, when we're at that point where that's being put on as programming without even a second thought, um, then that's a sim- that's a sign of what's going on in the greater culture around us. And so I you know, I think there's more people in bondage to it than than are willing to admit it. You know? No, and and and, and we're fighting and we're I mean we're fighting a, a much larger fight too. I mean, yeah, I hundred percent agree. I don't think um I had a um I had a fellow uh coach and, and he actually does some work uh with church groups. Uh, on the show way back in February, uh, Drew Boa. So if, if people want to check that one out, but I asked him that question cause he, he was more, uh, maybe equipped to answer it cause he's got his pastoral sexual, uh, addiction, uh, certification. Wow. So I said, you know, what's, what do we do about this? You know? And, and at this point, unfortunately, like I just don't really think that the church is equipped from a leadership standpoint, and this is, these are his words. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the guys at the top, you know, pulling the triggers are they're a little bit older. They're, you know, they're a little bit senior mm-hmm. in age. So they don't understand actually what the problem from a, you know, from a societal standpoint with the technology piece, you know, every kid these days now from six years old has a cell phone in his pocket 24 hours a day. And you don't like, you can put all the child guards on the phone that you want, but I can tell you, like, if they have a phone and there's a social media account on there, they have access to yeah. pornography. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and I think another fight is 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 the term pornography addiction. Although you know, a lot of us will use it clinically, it actually has not really been accepted as a true addiction. So we have a fight there too because when you bring it up in, in, in some circles, especially in the medical circle, you get pushback as, oh, there's no such thing. Um, and I think that we're on the early cusp of a real, you know, breakout because I, with a lot of the conversation, 
conversations taking place and a lot of the organizations out there that are bringing more awareness. My hope and prayers are that we will get that, you know, accepted clinically. And yeah. I think that's going to change the game for everybody. But, but as of right now, you know, porn is something that every guy watches. You know, this is, this is a society thing. Every guy watches it and it's not really an addiction. So those are two fights that we're fighting, not even in the church, but those are just fights, yeah. you know, that we have to address like in the real world. Yeah. And I was going to say, not only like, is it, uh, not seen as like a big thing, like in the medical community, it's like, this is a good thing. You know, exactly. it's not yes. even that they're like, it's not a bad thing. They actually are saying like, they're not neutral or no, you'll get, like, yeah, it, you'll get, yeah. you'll get therapist or, right. or relationship counselors. If you go to them and they're like, Hey, you know, we're having some sexual, you know, frustrations and, Oh, well, why don't you guys try watching porn? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. it's so, you know, in, in my mind, what I see is, because if you go back to like the 1890s, like, you know, I, I, I was watching a talk earlier, uh, earlier this week by, um, one of the leading organizations that brings awareness. They're called fight the new drug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so the founder, of, the founder of that organization was giving a talk and during his talk, he pulls up a graphic from a, a marketing piece from the 1890s. And it's like, Oh, you have a sore throat. Come get your cocaine. Yeah. Cough <laughs> so in the 1890s, they were, you know, doctors were giving out cocaine. <laughs> And then in the 1940s, you know, marketing pieces had doctors promoting camel cigarettes over, over cools. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, and now in today's world, we have counselors and psychologists and therapists prescribing pornography to people to help cure their relationship when actually it's doing the complete opposite. It's forcing the guy to objectify women and it's forcing the woman to think that she's supposed to be treated yeah. like a piece of meat by the man. So... Like I said, I, I, I think, and, and my, my hope is that in the next few years, at some point, we're going to see a switch. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what it's going to take to get that. Obviously, it's going to take a lot more of these conversations. Um, but yeah, that, that cuties piece, like that's a whole nother, yeah. you know. Yeah. Oh, it's being touted as like, it's an artistic, uh, like, depiction. And it's supposed to be just an analysis of the you know, girls growing up too young. And it's, it's really to bring awareness to this topic. And I'm like, okay, hold on. There's been several people who were like, actually, I don't think that that was the director's intention was to create exploitation. But I was like, but that's what it's doing. You're creating something that is talking about and doing the thing that it's supposed exactly to be. Exactly what you're trying to, to go again. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Like you don't, and you don't so, need to, you don't need to exploit 11 year old girls and have them show their bare breast mm -hmm. to address the fact that we have problems in the world with <laughs> child exploitation. Like you yeah. don't need, you don't need an 11 year old girl in her underwear humping the ground and then taking a cross shot and putting it on the internet to, to, to bring awareness to it. Like there, yeah. that, that issue could have been addressed completely different yeah. no oh, yeah. it is do it, it is. documentary style because yeah. guess who is not going to catch any of those artistic you know <laughs> nuances the people who are going on there and yeah. who are already wanting to watch that kind of thing who are watching it on the regular and are like oh yay something easily accessible on netflix for free mm -hmm. and the fact that kids could come across it right. that people right. could anyone could come across it and view it and yeah that thing when you see that especially people Let's say a kid comes across it and someone their age, you're learning from an extremely young age to further objectify. And, oh, is that normal behavior? That's how I'm supposed to behave. So as yeah, a mom, I just, that's, yeah. I, I can't even imagine the, the, the parents of those girls in that film. Like, if they, if they knew what actually happens in the world. Right. Like, yeah, there may, there may be somebody that sees a movie and, oh, it's, you know, it's such a beautiful artistic film. 
but that's going to be this amount of people that watch it. 90% of the people are going to be these pedophiles are going to be these disgusting men that aren't even going to have the volume on and they're going to sit there and they're going to, they're going to masturbate to your child on a movie that is available to everybody on right. Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it, like, like how does, as a parent, would you even be okay with that happening? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the that's the sign of our culture. And, you know, I was going to say to you, too, I've had a lot of discussions about the church and their their uh, inability to really help people through this. And part of the problem is, is that at the top, as you said, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the senior leaders and they're older that they maybe maybe don't understand. um, They don't understand technology, but that that might be true. But also there's a lot of addiction at the top. And they've been in those positions. They've worked themselves into a position of power and authority and and financially they're set and they're working towards retirement. And if that were to come out to their church, they're gonna everything's gonna be gone. Oh, and, they'd be over. They'd, right. be, they'd be completely over. So, so they avoid uh, they avoid the conversation. Yep. They address it because they need to, you know, they'll do a small little right. small little series on it to where we bring it up one Sunday and we kinda talk about it right. in an underlying way and um yeah, no, I mean, um, one statistic that I heard is, I mean, you know, this multi-billion dollar organization, you know, billions and billions of dollars are, are generated through the porn industry. If, if, if we could just remove the people that are, that are regular Christians, you know, people that call themselves Christians and attend church on a regular basis, if we could just remove them from people that are viewing porn, we could cut it in half. So that means half of wow. the people that are watching porn regularly are church going Christians. Wow. So that is at the root of the problem as, as well. Also too, I just want to throw this statistic out. Um, a lot of people don't realize this, but uh, the divorce rate right now, it's, they, they say it hovers around 50%. I don't think it's quite that high, but, but it, it may be, but uh, 70% of divorces have pornography involvement in some capacity. So mm-hmm. that's it's usually number, it's usually number two, it's, it's money or finance. And then uh, porn or infidelity or cheating. Right. And, and yeah. Yeah. And if there is infidelity, then, then there's almost a guarantee there's pornography as well. Like that, yeah. it goes up to like 90%. Like, so that well, the, you're creating, I'm sorry, you're creating unrealistic expectations of how things are supposed to go. So of course needs aren't going to be met because your needs are up here and they're being shown to you by an unrealistic and unattainable standard. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. Is, <laughs> whoa. <laughs> they agree <laughs> it's okay man um i was gonna say like that's it, exactly it and almost the uh like the older crowds or so to speak is um well i think a it's complete nonsense that they can so that someone can get away with saying uh uh like oh back in my day it was not, not a big deal no one talked about it oh, I, don't, right. I don't know the extent at this point they i don't think Claiming ignorance of knowing the extent of it is, I think, a BS argument and doesn't make sense anymore. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but I was going to say the other thing and what you were talking um, about, Rachel, um, and we talked about this as well. And even just like what, what you're talking, Frank, about starting, uh, I guess, in the late 80s or 90s or whenever that was. Yeah, you're a couple of years. Oh, well, I'll speak closer. Yeah, Sorry. Thanks. Yeah. Um, is the thing of like, yeah, it used to be magazines and that used to be like the joke, uh, not even like a joke, but it was like, you know, the, the trope or the meme of finding, you know, like your dad's playboys, like hidden right. in the closet. And I mean, 
I don't have a lot of experience with the difference, but I know that like, for example, Playboy was like they had in um, a range, uh, I guess, a range of eroticism that they go to, but they're not quite, you know, hustler or you know right. something like yeah. that, which is way crazier than this and blah blah blah. Anyway, right. and now to the extent of even. Not that I've seen hardcore pornography from the 80s, but <laughs> everything that like I've read and stuff is progressively like since the 80s when they had videos and stuff you could get compared to the stuff nowadays is it's not even like you'll find stuff on movies nowadays that would be considered like pretty yeah. close to hardcore stuff that you had to go to like buy yeah the, the, in, in the, the back the, of a store the back of the shop. store yeah, yeah. yeah like you can find now is normalized television and then the, the create like just not even unrealistic expectations but just to the point that it's like a weapon like it it is a weapon that is it is destroying stuff it's like <laughs> not meant to like it's just I, I don't want to get into specifics but i think we all know like the kind of stuff it just it, it's to the point it's far beyond just being able to get you off you know it's <laughs> to the point where it's very dangerous and just evil it's evil i mean yeah the stuff that goes on now that just that didn't exist 10 years ago stuff yeah. didn't exist 10 years ago and programming that they well, do well it's like addiction right so yeah when you when you're addicted to something it, you have to step it up well, yeah, yeah. you always have to step it up because it gets boring or it gets you get used to it you build up a tolerance or whatever you want to call right, it but and, yeah so so a good way of, of of defining addiction is you know a narrowing of things that bring you pleasure so as yeah. as your addiction gets more and more hardcore the the pleasure uh reward center gets narrow and narrower and narrower so the things are going to actually get you to you know yeah the payoff yeah, yeah. to release yeah to, to to the end point like it, it's going to get more and more extreme and more and more hardcore you know pornography or you know sexual imagery has been around since the beginning of time you know you can go and find cave drawings of people having sex with each other but never at any point outside of you know the last 10 years has it literally been something that we could access 24 hours a day seven days a week right unlimited um, you know, our choice of whatever we want. I mean, it literally is an unlimited supply. You know, it would take hundreds of years to watch all the, all the porn that's uploaded daily just on one channel. Wow. Um, wow. So the fact that it, it, it is, it is there and it's, um, you know, it's, it's at our exposure and it's free, it's accessible. Yeah. Uh, you know, just, just makes it worse. But, but, but we have to understand what is actually occurring, you know, from a neurological standpoint, how it's actually, rewiring our brain you know yeah. we have these we're like we have mirror neurons you know like you probably catch yourself doing this like if you spend enough time with somebody you start actually mirroring what they do through hand gestures and sitting and things like this you know they teach these things in neuro-linguistic programming as a way to help you become you know successful in sales and persuasion but it's actually you know biologically wired into our brain that we have these mirror neurons so if you're constantly watching you know abusive uh pornography or certain type of porn like that is gonna you're gonna go mirror that um yeah so it's it it, it is it is it is yeah i was gonna say this was the i think the more insidious point that i was uh, trying to get at is i think that like in the way uh i'll use this as an analogy with like moving from drugs right like it it, it would be like everyone you need more amounts of heroin as you build up a tolerance to be able to get the same high and then this would be like 
some company inventing like fentanyl <laughs> right. that nobody wanted and nobody knew that they wanted just so that they could build people's tolerance higher. Does that make sense? So it's like there's stuff that was, you know, you need more of extreme stuff. And now there, there's stuff out there that I don't think there's, uh, I'll, I'll use the term fetishes or stuff that I can't believe that normal, oh. or that yeah. anybody wanted that I think that there's like, I, I picture people like sitting there thinking of how can we mess up people and then why don't we just start pushing this and make up new stuff that didn't well, exist? So, like, I, I mean, like, I think it's the pornography that's even inventing stuff to get people addicted to in a different messed up way. Yeah. I'm trying to be as, like, no, I got, PG it's like, well, it is, it's to, an industry, right? I mean, yeah. this is why, this is why my daughter, who's 21 years old, is getting solicited to send pictures of her feet. I'll pay you. Give me pictures of your feet, hey, right? I, can I just go on the record right now? If anyone wants pictures of my feet and you send me if they're willing bucks, to pay, I'll, yeah. I'll send you feet pics of my feet. <laughs> send them a cash app. Yes, send them a cash app. I have no shame. $50 I'll send you, a pop. 50 you Give me five bucks, yeah. I'm cheap. My feet, uh, no, I'm just kidding. I see gas for the car, man. Come on. <laughs> but these, but these, companies, these companies know what they're, what they're doing. Yeah. You know, just like, just like Facebook knows how to to reel you in and keep you on their platform. Mm -hmm. Just like Instagram knows what you want to see. So they're yeah. going to show you what you want to see. These, yeah. these, these porn companies, they're, they're, they're all the same tech entrepreneurs. They're all yeah. the same engineers. They understand persuasion technology mm -hmm. and what it's designed to do is designed to keep you on that platform. So if you're watching a video, they're going to show you what they think is going to be the next one that's going to hook you. And then over time, it's going to hook you and link you yeah. to things like you're saying that you like, looking from an outsider like how can like how can a human even get there and i can tell you that nobody ever does it because they they want to yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. never a choice of oh i want to go watch you know a girl get strangled and and right. get my rocks off that um hmm. but what ends up happening is because your your pleasure narrows to the point where like what i used to like just doesn't work anymore so let hmm. me see what the next thing is oh they're suggesting this boom and then you're hooked and then they got you and they know they got you so then it's just deeper and deeper and deeper. And, 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 and if you don't have the way out, like so many guys just throw their hands up in the air and they're like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I'm just, yeah. I'm like, it's ruined my life. Like I can't so, tell you how many guys reach out to me and they're like, it's ruined my life. What What would you say to the guy that is really fighting hard to, 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 to get free, but they just keep falling down. They keep going back to the well, you know, they're just, they just can't seem to get success in that. And they're just very, very discouraged. Like what, I know you have your seven steps. Like what are, what are, what are the things that you would say to that person? Like, okay, man, here's, here's what, how, here's a real easy way for you to start implementing some things to help you move in the right direction. Yeah. And, 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 and this is probably going to sound really, really simple and easy. And I, I think it's got to start with a deep, deep underlying reason why, you know, mm -hmm. like, like why, like, why do you want to stop? Not just because I know it's bad. But you have to, and this is the process that we use where we actually have a guy sit on, meditate, and journal about all the areas in his life where porn is impacting him. So I break it down. I, I, I teach kind of a five-pillar uh, kind of life segment. So it's faith, fitness, family, finance, and freedom. So we break your life up into those five categories. But I want you to really sit down, and, it, and this is tough. 
you know, this is really tough for a lot of guys. And this is where you have to kind of have somebody walk you through this process. But you have to look at all the areas in your life where porn is impacting. How is it impacting your relationship with your wife or your spouse or your kids? Or, if you know, if you're a pastor, how is it impacting your ability to lead your church congregation? You know, if you're in business, like, how is it impacting... And if you actually spend the time and meditate on it and, and journal through this exercise, like you'll get a lot of things that it's it, that in your life are not going the way that they are. So you can start there by looking where it's impacting you. And then the next step is you got to figure out what can my life look like without it? So if I know all these things are wrong with me, what can I then like, what could these areas look like if I'm able to remove this? Not mm-hmm. tomorrow, not, you know, not next week, but I want you to project out deep into the future. You know, maybe you go three, five years out in the future. Like, think of the man that you could be, like, if you were able to get this out of your life for good and step into this freedom. Like, really think about that. And then in having those two kind of analysis that we can look at, we can then look at the area and we'll find your why. But I don't, I, I think it's got to start with having a deep, deep underlying, you know, underlying reason why. And, you know, this is like life coaching 101 or personal development 101. Like, you, like, like without a why, like you'll never get the how to. So it's got to start with addressing the why. And it can't just be because I know it's wrong. Like it's got to, it's got to be much, much larger yeah. than that. Yeah. So uh, Rachel was sharing with us a little bit, and I want to touch on this topic too. Because uh, we've been talking mostly about men, and men obviously are the are the majority consumers of pornography. And by the way, too, you were mentioning about the technology for porno- that, that these uh, pornography companies use. Um, they have developed some of the technology that is being used, like in across, you know. Well, they're regularly. always forward leading. Like they invented credit, like the credit card system online. They innovate yeah. uh, three, you know, three D Oculus technology. Oh, they were big, absolutely. Yeah, they're at the forefront of. I mean, it's, it's innovation. Yeah. It, you said it's a billion dollar industry or multi-billion dollar yeah. industry. So they're going to do whatever they can to protect that and keep it growing. You know, they're going to find new ways. But um, and a lot of people don't think about that. So when you're when you're surfing on there, they're they're They probably have technology that is figuring out what your eyes are actually looking at for how long. Mm-hmm. And then they're have some kind of algorithm that's going to send exactly into your, you know, in front of you, you know, what what you have been looking at and so you know and so that's the technology they have and and you don't even have to like uh work hard at it it's going to do all the work for you but um but rachel i want to go back to rachel sorry i I had that little rant across my mind (laughs) but with women so with men it's visual you know where we are you know like whenever i do premarital counseling i always talk about you know hey look you know men are are like a light switch and women are like an iron you know men you just flip the switch we're ready to rock and roll women you got to plug them in they got to warm up they're they're not always ready to rock and roll and uh and so it takes work effort time it's it's part of the dyna- dynamics of the way that god created men and women so that they would relate and uh but with women there's this growing percentage of women that are addicted and admitting addiction to pornography and I'm trying to figure out what that's going to look like in the long term for marriages and for relationships because what is the impact going to be from a woman into the relationship because you know for men we know what it's going to do we you know it's pretty easy you can you can probably list off five or six things really quick that negative impacts it has on on a man but for a woman it's kind of still not known as much you know yeah it's hard because i don't i don't actually know a lot of women who have also 
struggled with it in the past. Um, I'll give a short little history, I guess. Um, when I was, I think, 13 years old, um, I just like searched, I think, sex on Google. And that's all it took. Like, that's how easy it was to access. And I was kind of surprised and kind of like, oh my gosh, what am I looking at? And also, like, that was that easy to find. And so I got very good at deleting my browsing history and deleting all my cookies and like, dele- like going through and like <laughs> purging the internet. That way no one would know what I had just seen. But then it was like a curiosity mostly that how it had started. And then there was something going off in my brain, probably the dopamine that was like, kind of want to go like look at it again. I want to see what else is out there. I want to see mostly what people are drawn to and what, what is this normal? Is this, you know, what everything actually looks like. And so that in itself was creating unrealistic expectations and an unrealistic um, idea of what sex is supposed to look like. Um, And so that's something that I think as a woman, I'm, I I guess I'm pretty like visually, um, like I'm a very visual person. So that might be why it was more of a problem for me than someone else. But like I was, at that time, I was also curious about like romance novels and what the big deal was. And you can, it, it's an addiction because it, it's pleasure without commitment. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have a relationship with this person. You can have it very secretly, secretly. No one else knows what's going on and you don't have to commit. You don't have to have an emotional relationship with whatever you're doing. But at the same time, that's very damaging. I mean, I see what happens when my little four year old watches TV too long. It's too much emotional stimulation and too much visual stimulation without a relationship, like without a conversation, without, you know, the back and forth of how am I supposed to respond to this? So as a man, like, I don't know how a man would respond to it, but it probably is addictive. And, you know, you have to have some kind of release from that. As a woman, it was just, wow, I don't know what to do with this. And I kind of want to go look some more, but it was still addictive for a couple months probably six months or so and then like I would stop and I'd be like I don't want to do that anymore I feel awful now and you know I don't want to go back and look at that but it would be kind of off and on I think between when I was 13 to 14 and I didn't tell my parents until I was about 15 and I just like I knew it was wrong I had heard the sermons I had heard the bible studies you know but I always heard it from addressing guys struggling with this problem never a girl so it didn't make any sense why I was struggling with it and I just knew deep down that it was a sin issue and it was something that was yeah unique to me and I didn't know anyone else who was having this problem but it was like almost okay for women to read romance novels and okay to watch like all these romantic softcore movies because you know it's not like hardcore and it's not an addiction right but it totally is because it is setting up things in your brain that makes you want more and then also you do get those unrealistic expectations of what a relationship is supposed to look like. So, you know, I confessed to my parents and uh, they were super shocked. And I was just like, it was super easy to find. And, you know, we kind of have to watch out for my younger siblings because you never know, like, like how easy it is. And this was, you know, 15 years ago. So this is just on the computer. Like I didn't have a phone where I could access this kind of thing. Um, And it was, you know, never anything I like paid for or anything, but it was all out there and like easy to find if you did some digging. And that was what stuck with me the most was how easy it is to find how a kid could stumble across it. It doesn't have to be tangible, you know, magazine 
book or anything. It's just super easy to find no matter what you're doing. You're getting pop-ups all the time. Like it's really kind of sickening how accessible it is. So did, did you, uh, fast forward. Oh, sorry. What? Oh, so did, no, did, you it, go ahead. did it affect your body image, like your self body image at all? Because like, you know, all these women or a, a lot of these women are modified, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, there was such a range of people within those images that I never really felt like it affected my body image. There was a lot more deep set emotional things just regarding relationships and regarding, you know, self-esteem that I think affected my body image more than that. But it did affect how I thought that relationships were supposed to go, or at least like sex within relationships was supposed to go. Like basically, you know, my mom and my older siblings were always like, be careful what you wear because guys are this way. And I'm like, why? And so after that, I began to understand a little bit more about like what would happen if I dressed provocatively or whatever. So I was usually pretty careful about that. But it also made me think that all guys struggle with that or expect that or are looking for something like that. And I was just like, you know, I don't really, I don't really know how I would measure up, but you know, I'm whoever I marry, I'm just going to let them know that, you know, I know what porn looks like. And I can't do that and I'm not going to do that. And I don't, I just don't know what a normal relationship, you know, yeah. is supposed to look like sexually. Um, Cause it wasn't really talked about much in my family. So hmm. um, yeah, not a whole lot until probably I was even married. Was I like aware of what a normal relationship was supposed to look like? And I talked about it with my husband, just like, you know, my struggles with it in the past. And um, I think, you know, as a teenager, he had also stumbled across some stuff and, you know, it wasn't an ongoing issue with him at all. But with me, I just really wanted to let him know, like, I have no idea what you expect of me or what I'm supposed to do. And like, I just don't know, you know, what, what's normal, what's not. So that thankfully was never an issue. You know, I wasn't, I haven't accessed it since. And, um, but like so much is so much, I think, especially on women who, are in a relationship with guys who have struggled with this in the past. I think that there's just so much unhealthy expectations on girls to perform in a way or to be seen in a way, especially more and more as people are accessing it younger and younger, um, that there's not, there's not an equal like balance from how older women are being an example. Like there's not enough talking about it. Yes. Within the church, but then also within families, unless you have parents who are aware of the impact who know. Yeah, so I yeah. think that's a big thing is your relationship with, you know, your mentors, your, your siblings, your, your parents, like if that's good, you might be able to navigate through all of this with a healthy viewpoint. But I think it's just so it's like an imbalance of the information coming at you. Yeah. So I'm, um, do you have any stats on the amount? I know it's really high, but do you have any stats on the amount of women addicted to porn currently or who view it or who view it as like something normal, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, according to the Journal of Adolescent Research, roughly half or 49% of women uh, agree that pornography is acceptable way of expressing your sexuality. So that means half of all women think that it's okay. Yeah. Um, in terms of women that are struggling with it, uh, about one in five say that is a habitual problem. It's about 18%. I mean, I don't, I don't know what the, oh, it looks like 11,000 11, were, uh, were questioned in this study. So, hmm. 
out of eleven thousand, I mean that's that's a big that's a big case yeah. and that's a big that's a big test group there. So one in one in five are admitting to to having a problem with it. But but I think you know just to just to piggyback off of off of what you're saying, Rachel, in in, in your original question, turn. I think uh, you know what what we need to be concerned with, and 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 I don't know how you know, familiar you guys are with, with pop culture. I'm not that familiar, but I had, uh, an interview earlier this week that I had to get prepared for to discuss the Cardi B song, uh, <laughs> w, 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 A, P. Oh man. Um, yeah. So I, I, re- I refuse to listen to it, but I did do Good. a full like review of, of, of the lyrics. I, I did a printout of the sheet and just in reading that, I mean, for, for a woman to say that that is what she wants. I mean, like reading that, like, like you're reading as from a porn scene. Like I, I, I pull so many yeah, yeah. scenes from pornography. Like I want you to spit in my mouth. Um, like what, like what are we teaching young girls that in right. sex you're supposed to be spit on? Um, I mean, and then some of the other things like I want to gag and, and oh. throw up. It's just like, so I think, I think one of the big, big problems is not just setting the, the, the men's expectations for this is what they want, but setting the, the young girl's expectations yeah. of this is what we're supposed to be giving them. Yeah. Like right. yeah. we're supposed to be abused. Like that is the concern and, and problem that I see. But, but yeah, I think I, you, you said it there, Rachel, like as parents, like you got to have the conversations like yeah. early, early on and realizing that most kids are seeing it between the ages of, 12 and 14 and mm-hmm. I think that's actually kind of on the high side I yeah. think it's, yeah I think it's I think it's younger than that um so probably around eight so so don't wait to have the conversation when they're 14 because you've already missed the boat yep. like you got to get in front of it yeah as yeah as the, the um uh I was gonna say that um the it used to be Frank you remember this too because you're you're, you're I'm a lot older than you are <laughs> but it used to be sex ed class you had sex ed mm-hmm. and they went over all the body parts and basic stuff. And now it's your phone. Like they don't even do yeah. sex ed anymore. And, uh, you know, in, in public schools and, uh, it's your phone, your phone. And so people, guys and girls are learning. They think that that is what is supposed to happen. And that's the, that's the greatest deception of it all because it's not real. It's all yeah. fake. And I tell, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to dominate the conversation, but I tell people in premarital as well, you know, if you take the amount of time in your marriage uh, that you will have sex in your lifetime, it's, it's so small in comparison to the rest of your marriage, you know? Yeah, I think Rob, Rob talked about this on, on my podcast. It's like one like 0.4% of the overall time is like actually. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I don't know what the statistic is, but if, if, you know, a a good healthy sexual marriage will be, you know, what twice, three times a week, maybe, you know, uh, and as you get older, it becomes less and less. And uh, over the course of 50 years of marriage. So you're talking minutes per week, you know, hour a week or something like that. So why do we have such a, a focus on how that's supposed to be, be, you know, it's just such an amazing uh, problem and issue. It's like it's it's got its hooks in our culture, and the problem is is the more that we are uh, the more that we are accepting it as normal, uh, the more it, it has those open doors to get worse and worse. Where songs are coming out like WAP and you know the cuties on Netflix and and there's no get you can't back out of all that once you're that far. Yeah, no it's like 
it's like this, this, this is their way of like, like testing. Let's see, you know, how far we can go on regular TV and then how far can we go on, on the radio towards if, if we never stood up and said anything, like, and we just let, you know, let the powers that be just run with it. Like a year from now, we'll all just be streaming Pornhub through our Netflix. Like, and you'll be watching it, you know, Sunday evening family time is going to be, you know, let's, let's pick our favorite, you know, group orgy. And, um, yeah. Well, they made it super accessible during quarantine and that was so upsetting. Like they were like, Hey, we're just going to put it all out there. It's super easy for everyone to access. And I'm like, you know how many kids? are not in school and now they're like at home and it's super easy to access. Oh yeah. The companies they're like, they're that's like fishing season. They're like, Oh, we're going to give this all away for free. <laughs> and knowing the fact that they're going to track everything that we're doing, we'll like, we'll give them a little taste and then we're going to hook them for life. And then, and, and, and they got a lot of people. Yeah. Um, this is crazy to think of like in the context of understanding an actual healthy relationship, because once, I mean, when you have a sexual relationship with a person, there is spiritual ties going on. Mm-hmm. There is a, a tying of, I mean, it says in the Bible, like they will become one. And so when you try and separate the physical from the spiritual, which is, I think, what the enemy is trying to do, it's trying to completely like, it's just, you know, an impulse. It's just a need. It's just a thing that, you know, people do. Why is it bad? you know, like barely even clinically diagnosing pornography as an addiction, even though it's got all of the markers of addiction, when you're trying to separate the physical and the spiritual, of course, you're going to have the normalization of all kinds of just perversion and people are not going to see it as something wrong. And they're not going to see this, basically this obsession with a singular one person focused sexual relationship that you're just having with a screen and, you know, someone else's family members somebody else's kids are you're watching those people on your screen like that to me as a mom i'm like those are somebody's kids out there mm. like somebody's kids are doing this as a commodity they're doing it as a performance they're not having a healthy wonderful spiritually satisfying sexually satisfying marriage relationship where they get to experience like the oneness and unity of being of one body and one spirit with somebody like that's what's supposed to be the healthy example and then you have the antithesis of it which is what our culture is promoting and it's like you know it's just an act why is it wrong like everybody needs to do it let's at least help them out like it's it's that's the real battle is being the spiritual side and all of the people who don't so of course some people are not going to feel convicted about something that has been just that's only physical that's not anything involving your spirit your soul um and i've had people come to me or just via like social media and they're like but i know you're talking about pornography as as if it's bad but have you ever like looked at this women-centered pornography it's all produced like ethically and you know it's all just (laughs) you know um it's like um more more tasteful and i'm just like are you kidding me like I had to explain to this person that this is a sacred institution. It's a sacred part of a union that is not supposed to be on display for everyone. Like, like, you know, I'm fine with being one way at home and I'm not going to be displaying that for the whole world. And the fact that people are so desensitized to things, even in movies and in, you know, media, like there's such a desensitization 
desensitization because that's part of supposed to be what's supposed to be part of your spiritual oneness with your spouse. And of course the devil's going to want to undermine that. So. Yeah. Can can I just say something? Sure. I just read the lyrics. That's why I was like not paying attention to that song. Oh my God. Yeah, it's bad. It's so bad. It's really bad. I was paying attention to what you guys were saying, but I just had to say, don't, I, I know. I know, man. I, I didn't I'm know. Sorry. I saw WAP everywhere on social media and all this stuff, and I was like, what in the world does that mean? And I actually Googled it. Big mistake. Yeah. 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 I, I, I felt was, like yeah. I licked the inside of a dumpster or something. Yeah, exactly. Horrible. <laughs> and she, yeah, she, she, she had warned me that she wanted she wanted me to to address it and, and share my opinion. And, and I was like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to listen. Like, I'm not going to allow that to go, to go through to go through my ears. I was like, but right. I'll, I'll, I'll read it. And yeah, I was, I was, I was blown away and, and shocked. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that, that is a woman saying, yeah, saying those yeah. Things. yeah. I, I, she, she wants. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's just it goes to what you were saying, Rachel, about just everything. There's nothing in that at all. What was really funny. Um, I'm just going to say this for a minute is that I was reading, you know, the genius website or the lyrics where they like have people that break it down and they're like oh this is what this lyric means <laughs> or they're like this is the context or like i listen to some music where there's like a story behind it and they're like oh this is explaining this or this is like a reference to this old like right. <laughs> piece of thing here's you know here's some context about this old book from the 1900s that you may never read about or something like that maybe you'll listen to weird music but um yeah the fact that they were trying to like break down this stuff um, and like normalize it. it it's mm. this is the, I I am so pissed off now that this is a song, um, and that it normalizes and there is absolutely nothing like the fact that this was the biggest song that I know, came out. I know, yeah. I, there is nothing close to emotional. Like I think everything that you were talking about, Rachel, with the the beauty of oneness and stuff like that you know two people one the spiritual nature there is absolutely nothing spiritual about this at all and the fact that i just thought it was more ironic that people were like breaking it down they're like actually this is actually very empowering because this thing the this and that are you kidding me yes so isn't she um isn't she stumping for joe biden right now i just heard yeah she like interviewed with him and he like you know broadcasted well it's probably just his handlers but like they broadcasted on his instagram that he was like talking to her and you know this is who she's does he even know what it means i wonder if he's like he's like cardi can you explain that and she does and he's like come on man (laughs) (laughs) dude i heard i heard about that interview from another pocket i'm not going to talk about but they were talking about it and he this the podcast that I was played a clip of this and Joe Biden, like he starts off and first of all, Cardi B, I'm not going to be mean to her, but I don't think she has a basic grasp of the English language. Right. And I think she has the IQ right. of 50 years of <laughs> all right, all right, 50. Yeah. She's not, I couldn't understand. I know, understand I know what, what you're she, saying. Yeah. She's hard to understand even yes. in regular. And co- she was talking to Joe Biden and he said her, his daughter was a big fan and his daughter actually comes out and she's like, I really love you. Mm. Like your music. Yeah, it's just getting voted. Anyways, uh, yeah. I, we, we we went off on a tangent, but that's okay. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. But yeah, sorry, there's Frank. nothing there's nothing powerful in that. I no, hate it, yeah. 
it's being broadcasted as like the biggest song and then of course anytime there's pushback against it it's of course being pushed like broadcasted even more like oh my goodness all the you know prudes and the conservative right wingers they hate this song and then of course everyone's listening to it more but there's spotlight on that but there's way worse stuff oh yeah in lyrics and music in music videos in things that are accessible by snapchat like like everywhere that kids are yeah yeah. young people middle schoolers high schoolers young people what they're during their formative years they're of course addicted to their cell phones they have to have it with them all the time and then they're being exposed to this and even if they're not necessarily condoning it or their parents aren't speaking into it it's imprinting just like you said um, it's imprinting those images and those words and those lyrics on their brain at such an yeah. early age. Yeah. Well, here comes here comes the problem for for parents knowing that okay, based on you know what I shared here, uh, you know what do we say, twenty to thirty percent of women, and the number for men is roughly between seventy to eighty percent of men are struggling with this. So if the parents have the issue with it, but we need to address it to the children. Well, if you're if you're struggling with this. You can't go have the real authentic conversation with your kid about it. Right. So it's got to start with us addressing it in yep. the adult yep. first and removing it from us. Because how can I go sit there and, and, and like if I'm you know watching porn every single day or you know even twice a week and then I'm going to go have a, a conversation with my son about the dangers of it. The minute he finds out that I'm lying to him, I've, I've not just lost credibility on this topic. I've lost credibility mm. and authorityship on all topics. Yeah. So we got to address it from the parents at the same time of, of, of addressing it, it the, the children as well. Yeah. You know, Frank, that's why I love what you're doing, man, because you're, you're initiating a conversation, which it has to happen. And that's, it, it, you're actually giving people an outlet that's, um, that's safe. You know, like when you said, I, I want to help a hundred men, like that just keeps sticking in my, in my brain when you said that, because I'm thinking how many people have, wanted to reach out and just be set free like they know it's not healthy they know it's damaging they know it's just killing them on the inside and spiritually like rachel we didn't even really talk about that too much but the spiritual side of it too yeah it just stifles the holy spirit and the flow of the holy spirit in your life and you know and um and you and then you walk around with if you're a believer you walk around with guilt (laughs) and if and the enemy loves that because then he's like you're like numbing your own conviction right like you're constantly numbing yourself a to a meaningful relationship because you're going to this object instead of an actual relationship but then you're anytime the holy spirit's trying to little you know poke your heart a little bit and be like hey maybe you shouldn't be doing that you're just numb to it. Yeah. And if you are, if you are that, if you are that believer and you know, you're battling with the guilt and shame and then the one person that, you know, you're, you feel you can trust in the most, you go to, you know, your leadership at your church and they don't really have the answers. You know, we talked about them not really being, being equipped. They're like, here, we'll go read this. And you know, that's, that's that's not going to be enough. So you've gone to the one source where you felt safe and you didn't get the answer that you were searching for. So then that's when you throw your hands up in the air and you kind of just give up and you say, this is who I am. So I'm going to live the rest of my life in the shell of a man that I, that, that I am, but I'm also going to walk around with all this guilt and shame and I'm going to hold back from the world, everything that I could potentially offer to to it. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, and and I, and I think that's why I'm so, you know, passionate about, you know, connecting with people like you, you know, where I can reach, you know, people that, that, that aren't on my YouTube and aren't on my podcast and aren't following me on Instagram. Like, so, so I just want to acknowledge you guys, uh, for, for being open and, 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 you know, having this, this conversation because we need men and women 
you know, locking arms and, yeah. and having these discussions. Yeah. Well, we're going to put all of your contact information on the show notes. But if you want to give a shout out right now for someone listening to connect with you, uh, what's the best way that they can they can reach you? Instagram, like where are you spending all your time right now? Yeah, the best way will uh, will daily content goes up on YouTube. So if you're look, you know, like there's just on this topic. I mean, there's probably forty ish videos that we've done just in the last couple months, and we're now doing Monday through Friday. So five videos a week, wow. all about these topics. Um, you know, some of them will pull clips from our, from the podcast where we've had guests. A lot of them are, you know, talking head where me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm sharing tips, strategies, tactics. Um, so YouTube for, for, for daily content, like you said, it's rebuild your life. Um, but to reach me directly, probably the best place is on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my time daily. Um, so, you know, follow there just you know hit me up in in the dm i do respond to every single direct message wow. um i can't tell you it's going to be instantaneously but i will make sure you know i i have blocks of time that i dedicate on a daily basis to to get in there and and, and that's my messaging time so yeah you can find me at uh the superhuman frank um and then check the <laughs> podcast out you know the podcast is the superhuman life um cool. we're on itunes and, and all your different platforms great out there yeah so i want to encourage you if you're listening right now and this is it's like real you're like man this podcast came at the right time uh there's no doubt this is supposed to happen and take action go get his free resource seven steps to a life without porn go get that start there connect with them go watch some of his youtube and uh get yourself around some people that are going to help you and they're you're going to be accountable that you can be open and honest with and and journey journey out of it it's a valley for a lot of people. They're in deep, man. And it's going to take some steps out and some work and, and time. But keep moving yep. forward. Don't stop. It's worth the fight and the effort. Yeah. Because freedom, man, freedom in any mm -hmm. case in your life is just amazing. And you can't, until you're so, in that freedom place, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. You, you don't have anything to compare it to. That's right. Yeah. That's right. No. And and you're like you're saying, Frank, man, it's like the potential. Like, think about it this way. What is the plan that God has for your life? that is completely held back because of this addiction. And what would it be like if that was set free and you were living in that plan? Like you would have so much more fulfillment than that momentary fulfillment that you think you're getting when you you know exercise that addiction. So. And you'll probably sell yourself short if you were to yeah. imagine what it's like. Right, yeah, you, won't, you don't even know. It, I mean, the Bible tells us, you, it hasn't entered your mind what God has in store for those who love him. Like you can't, you can't put the picture together because it's coming from him. But man, Frank, I, I am just, I, I love, I love your heart. You have a great humble spirit. Um, your testimony is very powerful and amazing. And man, I just want to see you continue to go. I'm going to, I'm following you. I've been watching a couple of your YouTubes the past, since, since I was at the beach a month ago. So I'm, I'm in it. I'm watching, you know, I'm, I'm with you. Maybe uh, if something cool comes up, if you have something else that you want to share with us sometime, let me know and we'll get you back on here. You always have an open door. Yeah. Yeah, we're, 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 we're working on some stuff behind the scenes here and um, some, some organizations. And, uh, you know, we didn't even address any of the, the trafficking piece, but I think, oh, yeah. you know, it goes hand in hand. In hand. Um, you know, so if that's a conversation you guys are, are open to discussing, um, would love to get you connected with some people that I'm starting to do some work with here locally. Um, and then, and then nationwide is as well. So no, ab absolutely. I, I appreciate you guys. I want to once again, you know, acknowledge all three of you because, you know, a lot of people won't have this conversation mm -hmm. and, uh, it's got to start, it's got to start here. Yeah.
So thank you. Well, thanks, brother. We will catch you next time. And uh, hey, listener, we'll catch you next time on All Out War. Thanks. See ya. See ya.